Berkeley KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Please stay tuned for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone coming up next. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, June the 10th, 2008. Yes, indeed. (laughs) History's busting out all over. Barack Obama, the man. For some peculiar reason, I found myself reading African Proverbs last night. And a whole bunch of books, uh, mostly about South Africa. Uh, Shaka Zulu is my absolute favorite. Um, but I thought, <laughs> I thought, what are we going to do with all the people who will have um, strange ideas about this wonderful guy who's, uh, what is that, uh, about as American as they come? Uh, I was looking through my stuff and thinking uh, how difficult it is to pin these things down. I think his father was a Kikuyu. Anyway, uh, it's going to be it's going to be an educational educational trip for most Americans to learn about uh, the real world, the past. Uh, one of my favorite little books is called African Creation Myths. Uh, it's called The Origin of Life and Death. And I just wanted to read you a little passage from it. Just to remind you, just to jostle your, uh, memory. You know, uh, we all have the same creation myths. It all comes from the same ancient stories. The variations are fascinating, but the truth is, uh, <laughs> the stories are all the same. This story comes from Tanzania. It's called The Word. It's about the tree of life. It says, The sky was large, white, and very clear. It was empty. There were no stars and no moon. Only a tree stood in the air. There was wind. This tree fed on the atmosphere. Ants lived on it. Wind, tree, ants, and atmosphere were controlled by the power of the Word. The Word was not something that could be seen. The Word was a force that enabled one thing to create another. I'm skipping a bit here. 
Later in the story, we read that the first men had no gods. They found them after the great wars. Many gods imposed punishments on men. One god who was a tree saw many men coming to him to ask when the wars should end, to ask that he terminate them. The god said to them, I shall punish you so that you will remember not to ask for help from the elements. He said, You men kept a sheep. You made war, and your sheep became mad. It flew through the air, and it killed the word from which all things that adorn the world have sprung. Well... I am the younger brother of the word, and I tell you, you were great, but because of the things you have done, you shall be reduced. You shall be small until in the end your height shall not even be half of your present stature. And in the end... Your entire world shall be consumed with fire. There you see. <laughs> you heard it. Ancient tales, myths, stories. Oh, dear, it was all foretold, all presaged. Yes, I have my Cassandra days, you know. I told them so. I told them so. <laughs> Let me read you just a few more little... little uh, Oh, little stories about <laughs> us. Here's one from Nigeria. It's called Tortoises, Men, and Stones. God created the tortoise, men, and stones. Of each he created male and female. He gave life to tortoises and men, but not to the stones. None could have children, and when they became old, they did not die, but became young again. The tortoise, however, wished to have children. He went to God, but God said, I have given you life, but I have not given you permission to have children. The tortoise came to God again to make his request. Finally, God said, You always come and ask for children. Do you realize that when the living have had several children, they must die? Then the tortoise said, Let me see my children and then die. God granted his wish. When man saw that the tortoise had children, he too wanted children. God warned man as he had the tortoise that he must die. Man also said, Let me see my children and die. Now that is how death and children came into the world. Only the stones did not want to have children. So it is that they never die. I have a collection of, uh, what is it, uh, analecta, phrases, stories, bits of poetry about stones. When I came to choose it for my name, that word, the word stone, uh, this was one of the, this was one of the, Pieces that I put there, yes. Um, 
along with E.E. E. Cummings' lines, and I shall find a stone smaller than the world and larger than alone. Interesting about the stones uh, that have no children. Just before I leave this little collection of African creation myths, I would like to read you one called The Disobedience of Man. Just to remind you that uh, Genesis is nothing new. These are all the ancient stories of mankind. Uh, the Christians were never original. Uh, anyway... When the disobedience of man, when Abasi, the supreme God, created men, he feared that they might become his equals, therefore he forbade them to settle on the earth. But Atiyah, his wife, said she would see to it that this would not happen. So then men were allowed to live on earth, but they were not allowed to procure their own food. They had to eat with Abasi in heaven. They were also forbidden to live together as men and wives, forbidden to beget children because this would make them forget God. Man obeyed God's commands, but woman began to till the soil. Woman produced her own food. Soon the man found her food sweeter than the food of heaven. Then man forgot God. He tilled the soil together with the woman, and they lived together as man and wife. One day the supreme god Abasi asked about the woman, but the man said that she was ill. Actually, he had hidden her away because she was pregnant. The woman bore a son and later a daughter. But Abasi knew what had happened. So now the supreme god Abasi pointed out to the woman Atia that his fears had been justified. The human beings had forgotten him. But Atia said, They, Abasi, supreme god, they shall never be your equals. And death was sent into the world. God killed a man and his wife. God caused discord among their children. Interesting story from Nigeria. All these stories here in this collection. Um, the forbidden fruit, the plant of life. It's all <laughs> Genesis. Same old, same old stories. Uh, Last night, uh, mm -hmm, I made a list of all the things that I want to uh, use here on KPFA as background for uh, this this thing that has happened, this uh, African-American Democratic candidate history happens. There's just no stopping it, folks. Uh <laughs> Who said history is a fast-moving train? Uh, when it hits sharp curves, half the thinkers just fall off. I see them, all the pundits, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, falling off the trains. Uh, media, media madness. 
Barack Obama is the man of the hour, Barack and Michelle. Not exactly Jack and Jackie, but the newness is there. Uh, the winds of change, a romantic couple. I think because they're so brainy, such intelligent folks, and the, the beautiful lyric children, the two little girls, so lovely. Uh, I'm nervous because uh, Barack Obama is the age of my sons. Uh, they're 45 and 47. Let's see, he's 46. And um, Senator McCain is my age. <laughs> well, I was thinking the other day that maybe Michelle Obama can position herself to run for president in 2016. And then we would have, yes, a black woman that would uh, be a twofer. Yeah, we'll get a twofer in there. Don't need to have Hillary as the VP this time. We'll just take Michelle the next time around. And <laughs> anyway, Hillary has created the paradigm. Uh, she has shown the way. I uh, shudder to think what the debates will be like. Um, I guess we have to wait and see who the respective VPs will be before we before we study this out. The rumors in uh, the media are that McCain is short-tempered, that he is an old, crusty-type dude. Uh, you know, he survived torture during the uh, war. He obviously uh, has been twisted by pain, but... He's ironic, and uh, he has a certain uh, charm. He's not a dull bulb like the present president, uh, the never-curious George II. Uh, I, there's something in McCain I recognize. It's, uh, it's something that Reagan had. Uh, the men, certain, certain Reaganites, certain men will like him... He he does government by anecdote. No, never mind. <laughs> no, don't confuse me with the facts. Uh, he'll tell a funny story, and people will be delighted with him. Uh, now, I don't think Barack Obama is threatened by that. He certainly has his own charms. He's uh, he's not well. He, the thing is, his temperament. He has no mean streak, no killer instinct. I got out my copy of Shaka Zulu last night, and then I thought, good heavens, Jennifer, you're falling into cliches. You're getting hardening of the categories. Barack's father is uh, from Kenya, East Africa. His grandmother still lives there, the village. So I'm guessing that perhaps his heritage is Kikuyu. Now... Uh, everything that I've read about the Kikuyu people is that they're pretty mellow, but I'm um, getting that. Maybe I'm getting most of that from Isaac Dennison. <laughs> That's, what is it? That's a um, uh, hundred years ago, of course. Lately, all hell is breaking loose in Kenya, so maybe they are just as uh, fierce as the Somalis and the Maasai or the Sudanese or... Some of the dudes in Oakland, uh, <laughs> of course, 
the first thing that I noticed um, about Barack Obama, the first thing that I put in my little book here, is that he, he himself, uh, he's not a descendant of captives. He's not an African-American whose people were enslaved for centuries on these shores. You know, chattel slavery is a toxic heritage. It goes so deep that I have thought it would never leave the psyches of those whose ancestors suffered from it. Uh, It was a holocaust and... um, We see it still echoing. Um, Barack's heritage is not like that. Um, Mother from Kansas. She was uh, European. I don't know um, which category she was. He certainly traveled around as a youngster. He was in Hawaii. Nothing more international than Hawaii. He's a cosmopolitan. He's worldly. He's sophisticated man of the people. I think of him as being very comfortable and at home, you know, with foreigners. Uh, (laughs) Foreign folks. Yes, it is so interesting to have this new age sensibility in which uh, you have a country, it's true, but, you know, uh, you're a citizen of the world first and foremost. Uh, He obviously... Uh, is willing to, what's the word for that, Uh, is willing to leave room for all possibilities. Uh, He's not an absolutist. Now, that may may be difficult for him. Uh, I think at some point, you know, dealing with McCain, he's going to have to come out and be, uh, what is it, a man of deep conviction, I don't know why uh, that appeals to voters. They seem to want the um, the strong man element, um, the guy who never changes, who never flip flops. Uh, yes, the classical ruler, strong man, uh, obviously a authoritarian, Yahweh, a heavy duty guy, a Pater familias, we call them, yes. <laughs> I don't know why. It was wrong of me to go right to Shaka Zulu last night. And I thought, I'll take a copy of this uh, little, I have one little 1955 novel about Shaka Zulu. I think I'll mail it to Barack. Um, he might be insulted, but <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Shaka Zulu, The Rise of the Zulu Empire. What I admire most about these South African Zulu peoples, um, Shaka dates, oh, 200 years back. Um, he's a conqueror and uh, he was contemporary with Napoleon. And what I admire most about them, there's no female circumcision among the Zulus and obviously... Uh, what attracted me to them first was uh, their understanding of female sexuality. Uh, they seem to be able to have, I guess in our culture, we would call it heavy petting. They seem to be able to satisfy their sexual desires. 
without pregnancies. Um, and that, of course, is uh, my definition of an enlightened society. Uh, Christians, my God, think what we have done. Uh, Shaka's significant other was a woman called Pampata, P-A-M-P-A-T-A. Uh, she was his significant other all his life. She's just an amazing character, uh, along with his mother, Nandi. I was in making a tape, and one of our uh, apprentices here was telling me about her best friend who played Nandi in the movie, the TV series. I'm going to try and find it and see if I can uh, talk about it on the air. If anybody out in our listening audience knows where they can get uh, tapes, DVDs um, of uh, Shaka Zulu, I would be delighted. The difficulty with those, I remember the high school teachers were upset a bit because the women (laughs) were bare-breasted. And there were hundreds of them, you know. Um, Nandi, the mother, is uh, the most incredible character in history. Uh, I think of the mother of Alexander the Great. Uh, I was thinking of that the other day, watching the television show Rome. The role of mothers in history is so powerful until you get <laughs> until you get to. Our time, yes. I made a list of all the moms, Jimmy Carter's mom, Bill Clinton's mom, you know. Interesting material. Uh, Anyway, Zululand is the most incredible, uh, what's the word, Uh, to me, fantasy, dreamland. Uh, The late 18th century, it's just uh, an amazing world. the kind of thing, the witch doctors, I guess, were the the darkest part of the story. Uh, the wars were pretty terrible. Uh, nevertheless, it just seems to me that there's so much more, what is it, so much more humane. Uh, now, that's not always true. Uh, I don't think, I don't think it's any good trying to measure human societies, no question about it. Uh, I think we have to admit that uh, each each group, each tribe, each nation, each era <laughs> has its dark side and has its enlightened uh, aspects. Uh, I'm looking here in this wonderful book, Shaka Zulu 1955, The Rise of the Zulu Empire by E.A. Ritter, R-I-T-T-E-R, New American Library. It's an ancient little book, little paperback that I've had for years and years. Uh, There's a picture of one of Shaka's great nephews, age 70, looks like uh, still a great powerhouse in full regalia, uh, physically and mentally. As I said, uh, it is Shaka's mother who seemed to be the, uh, what do you call, the catalyst for his life. She made a little mistake. In spite of the efforts that the Zulus made not to get pregnant, 
once in a while. Of course, there was an error. And um, Nandi became pregnant by a young prince, and he he denied the pregnancy. He rejected her, and she was said to have a beetle in her bowels. Uh, <laughs> that's the name Shaka, means beetle. Anyway, uh, she finally became one of the wives of uh, Shaka's father, but... Uh, the, what would you call that, the humiliation, the degradation of Nandi, uh, Shaka's mother, was the motivation for his conquest of these thousands and thousands and thousands of Zulus, uh, tribe after tribe. It's an amazing story. Uh, all he did was figure out how to make a shorter asagai or spear. They had a stabbing spear very famous, uh, used to be a throwing spear, and he turned it into a short stabbing spear. And, you know, uh, until the Europeans came with the horses, uh, he was in charge. Uh, there was only one child, uh, as far as we know. Yes, Shaka had one legitimate child, uh, Nandi loved the child and tried to uh, raise it, but she had to hide it. Now, when she died, Shaka's grief was so overwhelming. Uh, yes, uh, he threw, they say, a dozen of the most beautiful maidens in Zululand into Nandi's grave. These scenes in the film, I remember watching the film and thinking, oh gosh, we're going to have terrible stories about the savagery of these uh, South Africans, and they're going to uh, they're going to use it for racist purposes. <laughs> That's back in 1827 when Nandi died, and uh, for a year all the milk had to be thrown on the ground. No one was allowed to have um, sex, that kind of thing. Uh, went on and on, and the lamentations of people had to go on day and night, and if they weren't sad enough, if they didn't lament enough, he would simply kill them. Uh, <laughs> yes. There were several people who tried to put a stop to these uh, these bloodlettings, this uh, massacre, actually. Uh, but... Uh, it sounds like it was pretty bad. It's sort of thing that I always thought, I think the only time I had studied it as a young person, maybe in Egypt, you know, the whole notion of taking all your servants with you to the grave. Uh, one report in this book says that only two girls were buried alive with Nandi's body. He says that the truth is, another source says, that the victims were first broken and killed. Uh, this was... Let us hope that was the the uh, uh, the choice made. Anyway, twelve thousand warriors were present at the burial, and they were allowed to. Well, they they guarded the grave, and this went on for a year. Uh, let's see now. The milk, as it was drawn from the cow, was poured directly upon the earth, and any woman found with a child during the year should, with her husband, be put to death. Uh, 
Now, Nandi had died on October the 10th, and all the crops had been planted by early September. Uh, so the non-cultivation ordinance could only affect the weeding from 12 October onwards. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm telling you, this is the most fascinating chapter I have ever read. Uh, the Death of Nandi. In the story of Shaka Zulu, the greatest South African conqueror known to man. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. This has been Jenny Stone. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Out of sight. The amazing part is that 70% of heart disease, impotence, stroke, premature wrinkling, vascular conditions, all is actually preventable. And 80% of cancers are actually preventable with what you eat and how you take care of yourself. And, and that's really the message of this book, that you have more control than you thought and can do it with better flavor than you thought. I think the message is health food ought to taste great, better than you thought possible. And this is an excerpt from an with interview with Dr. Taste. Don LaPuma, author of Chef MD, Big Book of Culinary Medicine. This and other gifts from our recent marathon are available to you online at kpfa.org. In addition to donating your support to KPFA Online, you can also find out information about your favorite shows, discover new ones, and even subscribe to the KPFA newsletter. Your online support helps KPFA be there for you in the future. Check out the various gifts available to you for a donation. KPFA is here because of the support from listeners like you. Visit kpfa.org.